Hi, I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma, So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here we talk about the second season of the Fruits Basket reboot. We try and keep it spoiler-free, but sometimes we slip up. So if you're avoiding spoilers, please check the episode description for timestamps, as well as for content warnings. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. We're here to discuss Fruits Basket Season 2, because we're in quarantine, and we wanted to make a Fruits Basket podcast, but we thought it would be weird to start with Season 1 when it's Season 2 that's airing. So we're starting with Season 2. We're going to operate on the assumption you know what happened in the first season. Yeah. So let's start with the first part of our notes, which was that we both hate Makoto, and that is her name. Makoto, we okay, wrote multiple name. different names in our both separate notes. Yeah. Um, but it's, and it's Makoto. because she sucks, and that's it's it's her fault that we can't get her name right because she's an annoying character that's like really out of place in this story. Why did she start off season two? I don't. Yeah. Why? Why? Like she's the cold she, open. The cold. Yeah. Out of all of the characters, out of all of the so many characters, her, she gets to open up the second season that everyone's been waiting for, right? Like, this is the big deal as we get season two. Like, everyone's wanted season two for so long, and it's like, finally, we're getting to see the rest of the story. We're getting to see the student council and everything. You know, we're meeting Rin. We're getting all of the stuff that we never got to see in the first adaption. But... Finally, the anticipation pays off with Makoto. You know, I was so I was thinking about the Yuki fan club and how everyone at the school has no brain cells except for like the people who are either uh, raised in a magic cult, Toru, <laughs> who is an orphan, um, and her two friends, who also have crazy terrible lives but all of the people who go to the school they're supposed to be the normal people like the regular folk act insane the way that like kakeru and machi act the way like i don't even know his name the guy who's the previous president of the student council is he okay (laughs) clearly not (laughs) clearly not but i was like is this part of the curse like is it like, is everyone obsessed with Yuki because he's the rat? But then I was like, no, because, like, Hana and Uo are like, LMAO, it's just Yuki, I don't care. But apparently every other person at this school sees Yuki and their brain just, like, drips out their ears. <sighs> you know what I was thinking about, like, when I was watching this episode, too, was that, like, Someone like Yuki would never be in that position in an American high school. No, we would not care. Like, I feel like he would be a loser. He's, like, this quiet, weird guy who's, like, overly polite (laughs) and doesn't, like, talk to anyone. (laughs) Yeah, no. Like, yeah, he's, like, very beautiful, but I don't think that would matter in America because he's just so introverted. So there was this weird guy at my high school, right? That um, we had, like, this, like, summer orientation, like, two weeks of, like, icebreakers, and it was terrible. Um, 
but there was this boy who was kind of shy, but like, I don't know, I was a repressed lesbian at the time, but like everyone was obsessed with him and I didn't get it. Um, cause he was just kind of like, I don't know, a kid. Uh, I have this like really distinct memory of he had this weird sort of like a dent in his chest and everyone wanted to feel it. And I was like, y'all are insane. But, um, anyway, he stopped being the object of literally everyone's obsession because they realized he was just kind of weird. And like, he was like really good at running and really into playing the drums and did a lot of hard drugs and also I think made some kind of fusion reactor in his garage and he was like one of the youngest people to make this reactor. He was a weird kid, but apparently, you know, like, but it wore off. Like everyone like realized he was a weirdo and stopped being obsessed with him, but everyone's still obsessed with Yuki even though he's very, he's a weird guy. Junior now. Yeah. So it really should have worn off. He's been in that school for like a year. It's just that everyone in that school is so much more of a freak than he is. Yeah, it's like, it was when he was, he was washing dishes with Toru, just, like, chilling, like, and he's like, Toru, everyone here at this school is fucking insane. And this is coming from me. From me. I was raised in a cult. <laughs> everyone here is crazy. Was he talking about, I can't even remember He was talking name. about, Matoko? like, no. Or was he talking about Kakeru and Machi? He was talking about Kakeru and Machi. Because he was talking about, like... Because they're freaks. Yeah, because they're... Yeah, he walks into this room and there's this girl who's, like, wrecked the place and then this guy who just, like, immediately starts hitting on him and saying a bunch of nonsense very fast and having no boundaries. And Yuki's like, what? What? Is, what? He, he, yeah didn't uh listen or i haven't watched the english dub yet how was aaron dismook did you like him i he, he, he does Kakeru, a good job and i was really excited i i enjoyed him i think the dub for him was good that's yeah, i need to go and watch it <laughs> yeah no he he had a lot of, it was he was clearly having fun with it i think he was a good fit for the role machi was oh, and also plays machi yeah machi was fine it was like it wasn't, I wasn't, like, blown away, but also it's, like, during the first episode, like, it's not, like, a crazy role you have to act. She's just kind of, like, deadpan and quiet, so, like, and the actress was deadpan and quiet, so I was like, okay. Um, it's Caitlin Glass. Caitlin Glass. Who is she? She plays, like, she plays Haruhi oh. and Winry, and also she's the director of the dub. Oh, okay. Well. So, Yeah. So she's obviously going to do a, a good job. I just haven't watched the episode. Yeah. No. Kekeru. In English. I need to not say Kekeru. Um I know. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. I'm so American. Yeah. One thing that did, like, strike me uh, is, like, Machi and Kakeru's antics immediately, like, make Yuki feel insane. And he's like, what's happening? Who the fuck are these people? Why are they acting like this? what the hell is going on but then like he's completely unfazed by makoto like she comes in like he's she like breaks into this room right and i mean it wasn't they were gonna break in i think it was unlocked but um and he's sitting there like i don't know scheduling i don't know what being a student council president entails but she stands there 
staring at him suddenly screams what did you have for breakfast and he's completely unfazed he's just like huh like miso soup and some rice and natto and then like everyone loses their mind because they're like that's so gross i can't believe he eats that um yeah. I wrote in my notes that I feel like those girls have like a parasocial relationship with Yuki and it was about the natto thing because they're so shook that he eats natto which is like it's controversial but it's also like a normal thing to eat there. Yeah. They're like sh- literally shitting their pants. Yeah. The entire s- student body of that high school has a parasocial relationship with Yuki <laughs> even though he's yeah. there and they know him in person. It's, he's, they still turned him into a weird, unknowable celebrity, and it's just because he's shy and they're insane. Um, the girl who picks locks is my favorite Yuki fan club character, if I can even have a favorite, because they all suck ass. Um, but what a skill to have. Yeah. I just appreciate that they just had one, like, on the back burner. Yeah. Like, like she can pick locks. Yeah, we got a girl who can do that. Like, they, they give, uh... Uo so much shit for like I don't know being like an ex gang member and having like these like middle schoolers coming up to her to like and they're like oh are those her lackeys but like you have you have lackeys you have your girl who can come bust into the classroom like I don't you're not so different you're not so different just because you don't shave off your eyebrows doesn't mean you're any better oh I was writing about okay that the physical comedy in the reboot is really funny. He finds out that Kakeru and Machi are part of the student council, and he, like, physically, like, reels back. Yeah. And he, like, puts his face in his hands. And then Makoto, or not Makoto, whatever the the guy, the previous student council president, is like, oh, yeah, like, whatever, they're part of the your team. And he, like, pulls his face out of his hands in the funniest fucking way. Like, I feel like sometimes, sometimes the, like, the, the, like, actual written jokes don't always land, but the physical comedy is really funny. That was so fun. I, like, I took a screenshot of that because it was just, like, so expressive and perfect. And I also thought it was, like, so funny that, like, he meets these people for, like, two seconds and he's usually, like, such a tightly wound, like, exp- like, he, like, keeps all of his emotions just, like, in his, like, little rat heart but then like he meets them and completely breaks instantly and he's like standing in the classroom like with his face in his hands like clearly losing his mind does not care who sees it and you know that too because like i feel like he usually like he is usually like pretty cool and like Mm cool-headed and has like a snappy comeback to like someone like ayame or like shigure um who like tries to wind him up on purpose but he is instantly like fuck you yeah i hate you he's what he's, the fuck? he's ready to like throw down he is ready to throw down he gets so mad at kakeru and i can't figure out like what it is about kakeru that makes him mad so quickly like is it that just that he like just gets the right nerve i think part of it is just like ayami and shigurai wind him up right but he also like grew up with them and they know him and it's like it's like it's like your older brother and your older brother's friend teasing you versus like this dude you met 10 minutes ago this dude you didn't know existed 10 minutes ago who's instantly like saying 
like reminds you of your brother is acting like a maniac like touching you like immediately manhandling you like no boundaries <laughs> drags him out of the classroom it's like hey come with me like just pulling him around uh and Yuki's like, who is this guy? I've never met him before. He's calling me a twink. And I don't know how to handle this. And then the, then the weirdo who's been, like, harassing you for the past half hour is like, you're pretty interesting. And he blushes and is like, wait, wait. I was like, I'm kind of about it. <laughs> like, Also, like, a moment where, like, Kakeru, like... He's got his hand on Yuki's shoulder, and he, like, rubs his shoulder with his thumb. And I thought that was really fucking weird to put in the show. <laughs> Are they trying to queerbait me? <laughs> because it's not happening. <laughs> to cut that out. Yeah. It's a spoiler, spoiler that they don't get together. I mean, are people expecting- Spoiler, Yuki and Kakeru don't get together. <laughs> I mean, if you expect canon gays from Fruits Basket- you will be sorely disappointed because you will be extremely sad. It's Takaya, and she's the world's um, most gay-friendly homophobe. She's the most, <laughs> I was about to say the world's most homophobic ally. <laughs> it's, it's just like she is. Yuki's gay. Yuki's gay. It's like she has characters, like Ayami. Is gay. He ain't straight. He's not, like, at the very least, he's not straight. Like, he's like explicitly offered, at least offered, to have sex with like <laughs> an entire. He's like all bottom for my entire class. <laughs> but so it's just like okay, but of course, like everyone's that's everyone's straight, technically, according to according to Miss Takaya. Sometimes authors Sometimes are wrong. Sometimes they're wrong, and Yuki's gay. It's like a gay storyline, um, clearly. And I think I think they're... It wasn't that queer baity in the manga, but now that it's 2019, no. they might play it up, which would be, like, wild. I, I mean, I'd kind of be for it just because it'd be fun, and I'm not, like... It's not like I'm, like... Yuki or I and I? Yuki and... Kakaru. Like, it could be fun. Like, and if they queerbait me with Yuki and Kakaru, like, honestly, sure. That's the best I can get. Like. True. But that would be fucked up on Yuki's part. <laughs> if he was queerbaiting himself with Kakaru and then ended up, you know, <laughs> spoilers, but. <laughs> Insidious. No bro code. There's, bro code doesn't exist in Fruits Basket. No bro code. We can't. Bro code does not exist in Fruits Basket, so he could just do that. Yeah. It really doesn't exist. I mean, I guess that's what happens when, like, your dating pool is um, an ancient Japanese family, family. system that's been um, made illegal. <laughs> it is, like, definitely, like, that it gets translated as cousin is definitely weird. I mean, it's not weird, like... But it, it's, like, off-putting, and it definitely, like, if you don't know, if you don't, like, research, like, what's going on, you're like, is is cousin dating just fine? Can you just date your cousin? When I was a kid and I was reading Fruits Basket, I just thought that Japanese people dated their cousins. Yeah. Because of Fruits Basket. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this and you don't know this by now, 
Um, the Somas are not really biologically cousins for the most part. Um, they just are still using a kind of modified version of a now illegal um, family system uh, that used to exist in Japan, but now is illegal. Same last same name. last name, but they all have the same last name. Not, but they're basically not. Related. They're basically not related. So. They may have a very far, far, far common ancestor, but yeah, they're, it's not substantial to actually be enough to be actually related mm-hmm. to them. So there's way less incest in Fruits Basket than one might think. I feel like overall with this episode, a lot happened, but it was also introductory Yeah, that I didn't have much to say, other than I liked that they like introduce the theme of like change Mm -hmm. because I feel like that is as I was watching the other episodes it seemed like the big theme that they picked for the season was change yeah um but I really wish that they had picked another framing device other than Makoto yeah for that to like look at Yuki through a different like I don't know I think it would have been interesting if it was like someone like Uo yeah or something who's, like, kind of separated from Yuki, but still is in his life. Yeah. And is watching him change as a person. Mm-hmm. But from a, just more removed than someone like Toru. Yeah. It, it's a weird, it's a weird perspective. It was a weird way to introduce the series with her. Like, it did the job. I didn't enjoy that I had to watch her, because... As a character, she's really out of place kind of tonally with the rest of the show. Because um, it is really, like, Fruits Basket is really, you know, it's like this, like, fantasy slice of life drama rom-com thing. Like, it's weird. But it, it's, like, it's like cornered its weird sort of zone of how it feels and, like, how the characters tend to act. And the Yuki fan club just like feels like it's from a different show yeah it's very out of place and weird and i hope they don't come back yeah we've had enough i don't remember do they come back later there's gonna or does she just graduate she's gonna have the graduation bit because i remember the graduate she has her weird like being really upset that she's graduating and Yuki's still there, and that they haven't, like, fallen madly in love yet. But, like, she knows. Like, girl, you know. Like, you know that it's not gonna happen. First of all, he's very obviously gay. She's more obsessed with keeping him single than she is with actually getting with him herself. You know? Which is... Cr- she's... She, yeah, she's, she's so bad. Yeah. It's like... That's so Imagine shitty. if there was this girl you barely knew that was trying to, like, control your whole life, and you, like, barely spoke to her. <laughs> just completely unhinged everyone is so weird and just everyone in that school just accepts that they're just a part of their school and they're like a real club the school was like yeah you can be a real club we'll give you funding (laughs) they like they they have like a classroom that they meet in that is um insane i wrote a lot about like little little directing moments because i have this issue with the director I don't know who directs Fruits Basket. I don't know their name. Maybe I should look it up. Um, Fruits Basket is is um, 
apparently a reverse harem. I I don't like that. According to Wikipedia. I don't like that. Like like the point of a reverse harem or a harem is that you like have not maybe not date everyone in the harem, but have like romantic tension with everyone. Yeah. That's why like like, Oron is kind of a reverse harem. Because she at least has romance with like multiple romantic yeah, possibilities kind of jo- and multiple characters. And it's kind of characters. making fun of the reverse hair. I'm like, it's like sat- satirical, but it's totally playing off that idea. Fruits Basket is like, right. there's technically a lot of dudes and like not that many female characters, but it's not like no one's wondering if Tori would hit Tori are gonna be an item. Some people are. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> I'm sending everyone who's horny for Hattori to jail. For having bad taste. (laughs) (laughs) He's boring! The director's named Yoshihide Ibata. And he's a film director. And he directed Fooly Cooly Progressive. What the hell is that? Uh, you know Fooly Cooly? No. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! (gasps) He directed Attack on Titan. <laughs> For those of you at home, Sophie's having a crisis. He also directed Kill a Kill. Oh, isn't that the one where they have to, like, take off their clothes to turn it into weapons? Something like that. I never watched that show. Neither did I. He directed a lot of stuff. He directed Haiku. Ha- I can't say the name of this anime. Haiku? Haikyuu? The volleyball. The volleyball one. So what's confusing me about this is that, um, <laughs> don't hate me for having watched Attack on Titan, but I actually think Attack on Titan is directed pretty well. But you know what? Attack on Titan also has pacing issues, and I think that Fruits Basket reboot has pacing issues. Yeah. So maybe he's just it not does. very good at pacing. Um, it, there's just, like, these, like, instances in Fruits Basket, and actually there are instances in Attack on Titan where I'm like, holy shit, like, the directing in this is so good. Like, like, he makes really interesting choices sometimes, and then sometimes the choices that he makes are just like, why? Like, yeah. Like, what I was talking about in this episode specifically, it was a lot of the physical comedy, and also, like, I wrote down, well, first of all, Kakiru is a cowboy. Hilarious. But not in the manga. No, but it was fantastic, and I love to see it. And then there was this moment when Kakiru was, like, making fun of Yuki in the hallway. The moment right before he says something, like, he, like, you can see him realize that Kakeru's, like, making fun of him, and it's a very, like, close-up shot of his hand, and his finger twitches, and then the camera goes back up to his face, and he's like, you're making fun of me, and it's just a very, like, cool, like, small moment of, like, reacting in a very, like, Yuki way. Um, Yeah. And it makes me sad that he doesn't always have moments like this, because there's a lot of stuff in episodes where I'm, like, this is so slow. I think it's fun. I think, like, Yuki's a really subtle character, and he's, mm-hmm. like, just, and really, like, detailed. Like, when you're reading the manga, like, he's very expressive in his face, but he never makes really crazy expressions. He makes a lot of, like, weird, subtle, specific facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, I don't know, something I associate really strong with him. And I think... Some of that gets lost in the animation, but I think including little details like that kind of can evoke the same feeling of like weird, tiny physicality 
moments that he has where he mm-hmm. you can see him reacting um versus kyo who like flies across the room like <laughs> yeah i agree because sometimes the the faces are kind of stiff but yuki does a lot of stuff in the manga with his eyebrows specifically like it'll be like the he'll like his eyebrows will slightly change and his mouth will slightly change in the very little yeah yeah but i'm glad that he can have some i don't know i just wish he would make more interesting choices yeah because i think that fruits basket would really benefit from a a, a more experimental uh directing style which it really clearly director is used to directing dramas and very um in their own genre kind of dramas like attack on titan and like kill a kill are like very shonen and like fruits basket the source material is very shoujo yeah it's like i guess it's kind of nice that he embraces that it's part of the genre but also like I wish he would be a little bit more out of the box because I feel like Chris Basket would benefit from it. Yeah, I think so too. On the director. (laughs) But I I think that like, yeah, Fritz Basket, like, I feel like normally the time we would talk about this kind of stuff would be like earlier when we were like first seeing what the art style looks like. Like, this is the beginning of the podcast, but I think I'm with you in that it takes Takaya's work and it makes it into a very sort of boilerplate shoujo-looking anime. And I think you lose a lot of, like, the kinds of things that set the artwork and the manga apart, which were, like, when I think of Fruits Basket, it's, like, really thoughtful use of negative space, um, really, like, the paneling and the composition is always very deliberate, and also there's a lot of use of texture um, throughout it, and when you take it and just kind of put it into this like very boilerplate shoujo anime style you lose a lot of kind of the atmosphere that it had where it had it has this sort of like what's the right word for it um it's a little dreamy like fruits basket has a sort of dreamy quality to it like a little bit I don't want to say ethereal but it's kind of like you're in the character's heads a lot and it's a little kind of it's like kind of muted if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense like and I think that's why like even though the OG anime had some it had issues like clearly like they did some weird stuff um but I think that the art style there was more simplified, which I think suited it better. It put more focus on the key things, which were like facial expressions, composition, um, body language, instead of like having so much like shine on their hair. Their hair doesn't need to be that shiny. And like Yuki's hair (laughs) looked weird. Like I will say Yuki's hair looked weird, but it looks weird in the manga. He has a weird haircut and (laughs) That looked um, pretty good in the reboot, though. It looks I will pretty give good in that. the reboot. The reboot, I'll give it that. Yuki's hair looks better in the reboot. Um, but, and I also, I really liked the colors a lot better in the OG, because they were a little muted, and they were more cohesive, and it gave a, it gave a better overall atmosphere to the story. It also felt like the, the colors did a really good job of, like, 
differentiating the characters from one another. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, like, they all have crazy hair colors, so you can always tell who's who, and they have very different silhouettes because Takaya is a good character designer. Um, but, like, when you look at Yuki and Kyo next to each other in the OG versus in the reboot, they, I don't know, there's something about, like, the colors that they chose for them in the reboot mm-hmm. are more, like, individualized almost. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of, like, like obviously, like, they have their color palettes, I don't know if I appreciate the, manga, the way that they're like, but... we're going to put Kyo in, like, infinite amounts of orange and red. Like, No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, like, like I'm thinking, I I feel like the thing that jumps out the most to me when I'm looking at the two of them together in the OG is um, how different their skin tones are. Yeah. And that does not exist in the reboot. Like, Kyo is still, like, a little darker than Yuki in the reboot, but... It's not even just that he's darker than Yuki in the reboot. Like, Yuki is, like, extremely pale. He's pale and he's cool-toned. He looks like a corpse. Yes. Yeah, that's- I was gonna say, he's almost like- he has, like, a yellow undertone. Yeah. And Kyo is tan. Yeah, Kyo's tan. And it's just- it's a better- I don't know, I just think it looks better than just having, like, Yuki is pale and Kyo is a little less pale. Yeah. (laughs) And, like- Yuki was always, like, Yuki was kind of purplish overall. Like, his eyes were Mm -hmm. purple. His hair was, like, silver, but it had, like, a purple undertone, and it made his overall, like, appearance look a little more cohesive, while this Yuki is, like, like, his silver hair is just straight-up silver. Why does no one talk about Yuki's silver hair? I know we've discussed this with each other before, but Kyo gets so much shit for having orange hair. Kyo and Haru get bullied. Yeah. Didn't Haru- and Momichi- No, it was Kyo that beat someone up. Momichi gets shit for being blonde, too. And Momichi has, like, the theoretical excuse of being half-German, except, like, that's not how genetics right. work. Um, Maybe, recessive genes. It's, it's still- It's very rare. It, like, <laughs> if you are full-blooded Japanese on one side, and no- one in the Japanese side of your family was blonde, um, and you married a very blonde German woman, you could not have blonde kids. Um, have a just bunch of just speaking, speaking as a biology major. <laughs> oh, yeah, but Yuki's hair color. Yeah. Why? No one gives him, sh- like, he looks like, okay, this like, random. Why is he like the hottest? the hottest boy in the school but he like went gray (laughs) when he was like four (laughs) because that's when he started growing hair was yuki bald i don't know four sophie was yuki fucking caillou (laughs) (laughs) was yuki caillou i don't know how children were clearly Clear. You know people are born with hair usually, right? Like, we have some hair when we're born. Some people even have, like, a pretty full head of hair. Like, you you don't see- Bats are bald. Imagine if you didn't grow hair, but you had a full set of teeth first, Sophie. Rats are bald <laughs> when they're babies. Rats don't live to be four years old. Well, <laughs> yes, they do. What's the lifespan of a like rat? A couple years. In the lifespan of a rat, they get fur pretty fast. I don't think they grow fur the equivalent of four years. I'm trying to find a human equivalent of being a four year old. 
evolved human to being a rat. <laughs> Are you going to do rat math, Sophie? Are you going to do rat math on our podcast? I can't even do human math. I think that it would have... They give Kyo a lot of, like, cat body language. Like, he's he, like, prickles... And he swats people. He's like, like, like he'll. He's always swatting people. Or like, he swats people. He walks. He walks into the living room and swats Yuki's coffee off the counter and walks away. Yeah, he jumps. Like he's jumpy. He like, like he likes getting up high. Like that's a very like he like he gets upset and he's like, I need to, I need to climb. So he goes up on the roof or he climbs a tree. Like he's very cat like. But Takaya was like. Yuki has asthma, but I'm not gonna. Like, she, she doesn't want to make him. Yuki has asthma and likes peaches, like which rats also like. Yeah. Um, but like, did you know that? That's true. Wild. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> that's that's why it's like his favorite food. I was doing weird research on rat, um, rat body language when I was trying to write a fan fiction, um, and. Their eyes bulge when they get happy. They like rhythmically bulge oh, their eyes, and I think it would be funny. I know Yuki's all about eyes... it. <laughs> if Yuki's eyes boggled when he got happy, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen a video of a rat's eyes boggling? It's upsetting. Imagine a human being <laughs> turning around and having their eyes pulsing in and out of their eye sockets, and you're like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "I'm just like really content right now." <laughs> Thank you for giving me this piece of cardboard to chew on on the sun. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and burrow in the, the disgusting trash heap that is my bedroom. Oh, oh my god. Um, okay. This podcast is out of control. <laughs> Sorry, I was just imagining Yuki like vacantly chewing a piece of cardboard. <laughs> Fanfic writers, please, put it in. Please, please provide for me. Please provide for me and my perfect rat boy. When I made all of my friends watch Fruits Basket, who hadn't seen it before, in the very first episode, and he just like flew backwards into a wall of rat with his eyes glowing purple. Everyone lost their mind. We were all, like, on the floor screaming. Like, it's it his most iconic moment in the weird... entire series. And it's the yeah, it's his, his intro. intro is so weird, given the entire rest of the way he acts at literally any other part of the story. It's like, you meet him, and he's like, the th- here's things he does. Weirdly goes off about how he hates cats. Like, just, like unprovoked just like i hate the cat he's like villain monologuing and toru's just like okay <laughs> like and then uh and then yeah then there's the iconic like sugar is like so uh you gonna go dig up her stuff and he's like yeah he's like you got a shovel and he's like no. And then he flies backwards into a wall of rat. A, I would like to say, why did you get rats to do that? Shigure has dogs. You know what dogs like? But like Shigure was like, like, like Shigure. Dogs love care. to dig. Do you think Shigure likes to dig? I mean, Shigure like 
What do you mean? <laughs> yes. Um, he likes to dig himself yeah. a hole. Sometimes Shigure gets stressed out and he wants to dig a hole and lie down. He just goes in the backyard and digs a hole and like runs around in circles. <laughs> he has the zoomies. Him and Kyo both have the zoomies. Okay, I don't know if cats actually get the zoomies, but my roommate's cat at 11 p.m. every single night starts just running, just just like sprinting in circles around the apartment. So Kyo probably does that yeah. too, and Shigure also my does it. My cat is really lazy. Um, but... I was gonna say that I, when I was a kid, I when I first started reading First Basket, I thought Yugi was evil <laughs> because of him flying backwards through a door full of rats. I mean, what else no. to think? It's yeah, and then he wasn't, and, I think and it also never came up again. The funniest parts of that is like he walks up to Toru the next day, and he's like, "I got your stuff," and she's like, "Wow, how did you dig it all out?" He says, "Don't worry about it," and then just walks away. <laughs> she's like, "What the fuck?" Should we just finish talking about episode one? I feel like I didn't have that much to say about episode one. I didn't feel like it was that like. I wish it was a better opening to season two. Like, yeah. I thought it was a good episode, but, like, I, I just don't have that much to say about it other than, like, oh, God, Kakiru and Mashi finally got introduced. Yeah. It's like, yay, they're here. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just introductions. It, it probably could have been stronger, but it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was good. I I find the openings very weak in the show in general, but I thought the opening was better than both in season one. The song, at least. Oh, yeah. They they walk in. But yeah, they just walk in. Not a lot happens in the openings of the show. And I wish... They're just kind of struck. I wish they were better, because I just always skip them. They're always just kind of like a dream. Like, they don't slap. No. Like, like I feel like shonen openings, like, go hard. Like, they get some J-Rock band to, like, just kind of, like, go off their tits. Um, and write, like, really sexy openings. But... Like Fruits Basket went Fruits Basket like, doesn't have it went with the like sad melancholy route, but sort of poppy, and it just doesn't work for like an opening. It's not it's like you could have that as like the end. Yeah. Points. But like for the opening you need something more high energy. Like I wanna be a little more hype going into the episode. Like where's Kiss Kiss Fall in Love? Like that's what exactly. I need. We need Kiss Kiss Fall in Love. And clearly the director can the pick good hard. openings. Because even though everyone hates Attack on Titan, everyone remembers that fucking opening. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Tumblr at Soma So Good. If there's anything you want to ask us or any topics you want us to discuss, be sure to hit us up on social media. Thanks and see you next time.